bone in. So like a bit of bone flavour, do you? Um, but no, there are no bones. There are no I, bones. God, I God. Enjoy, for ease of consumption. I enjoy a chicken thigh. Yes, it's it's much more succulent. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. I like it on the bone as well. Do you? Mm. So does Steve. Steve, Steve mm. piles into a Nando's half chicken every oh, opportunity again. Really? I love a Nando's half me, chicken. Me, I'm a fillet guy. So that is the one thing the that means away. you could be a footballer. I know, yeah. Like in Nando's. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think the last time that you we and I went to Nando's many, many years ago, Danny Welbeck was in there. It wasn't even that. Was it that long ago? But Danny, I mean, Danny Welbeck was in Nando's at the same time as us. Which so it Nando's? was like a... The one at Parswood, which for people oh, yeah. who don't live in the local area is Parswood. Do you, do you eat, yeah. Can you eat half a chicken with a knife and fork or do you have to pick it up? Oh, is it obligatory? He just piles into it. He's barely, he's barely you pick using it up his and hands. just eat it off the plate with your hands. Well, I don't pick it up. It. I just stick my face into the plate and gnaw what I can I get just, my teeth out. I, I don't think it's pleasant watching somebody gnaw. I go and refill my it's tango at that yeah, point. Do you? Or the orange drink. I would just like to make it perfectly clear that, that I do not and have never done this. This is simply for uh, Hugh's amusement that he's making out that I'm some kind of do, savage animal. When do you it comes or do you not Nando's order a chicken. half chicken? Yes, of course. Well, there you go. That's but all I, I, that's I, all I, I use. A, I use a knife and fork. Point. So you're somewhere between a breast and a full chicken. You feel. Those two. He needs, he needs bone, enough, basically. Delighted that Andy has too bone. much. I'll go for the old half Delighted that Andy has established what half a chicken is, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just clarify. Half a Which chicken? half? <laughs> for, for, you take all the bones out of a full... Chickens aren't huge these days, are they? You, you could comfortably, Steve, eat... Well, it depends. It don't depends eat the bones, you're a, but you, you eat all that Where you get your chickens from. Sure, you're, a, you're a free-range kind, of, kind of guy, aren't oh, you? Oh, yes, by the way, organic chicken coming up in the... We don't eat chicken anymore now. I didn't realise it, but we don't eat chicken anymore. We're all missing Andy's absolutely cracking sort of pensioners oh chickens aren't very big these days that is, no, but they that are, is, that though, is the most they? grandparent thing you've the ever said like today and a, the chickens it's like when you order a turkey for Christmas you've got to order a massive turkey and that's like the normal size ones from 30 years they have got everything's got a lot smaller Mars bars chickens turkeys god I'm sounding old aren't I you won't really are oh, but they are aren't they yeah. you, you could we when I was a kid you couldn't eat yourself a full chicken now you go to Marks and Sparks, or you go to other very Chinch. good. Is that because the chickens are smaller? Or chickens are smaller. Because you are larger. No, the chickens are smaller. <laughs> Definitely smaller. Definitely. You don't agree. What about what about Snickers? Do you feel the same way about them? Oh, you know, they, you they, having they a marathon? Reduced or, yeah. Oh, a marathon. I love marathons. Yeah, but everything has got smaller, Steve. The older you get, everything does get smaller. Uh, welcome to Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food and make... Let's try and get this right. Um, that is the greatest <laughs> intro we have ever had, I think. <laughs> And generally complain about the size of things getting smaller. Yes. That seems massively inappropriate. We are once again gathered around what might be described as a relatively fashionable, distressed wood dinner table, talking about young footballers in a way that makes us sound completely unfashionable. This episode of the podcast continues our conversation about youth as we ponder how the system works and why sometimes it doesn't, while all the time trying not to sound like grumpy old men. And those men, as has been already evidenced, currently more old than grumpy, are Andy Hinchcliffe. 48 years old and with a fashion sense of a 16-year-old. Rory Smith, 35 years old and with a fashion sense of Rory Smith at 34, 33, 32, 31, 30 years old, etc., etc. It really hasn't changed very much. Steve Wyeth, 39 years old and with a fashion sense of whatever his girlfriend buys for him. And I'm Hugh Ferris with no fashion sense at all. Do get in touch with the podcast, setpiecemenu at gmail.com and at setpiecemenu on Twitter. Spring chicken one pot update. Well, you've kind of 
already got it, but essentially it's nearly ready. So at some point later in this podcast, I may well have to get up and go and stir and put the crusty bread in the oven. Was the, was the pot, by the way, is that, is that a wedding gift? That's, that's no, no, really we, reeks of being a, a No, it's, no, it wasn't. Why'd you, why'd we we bought it because it had, to, you can get tokens at Tesco's and you can get something that's worth about 40 quid for about five. So is it a Le Creuset or is it a Le Creuset knockoff? It's a knockoff. Yeah. Why do you keep looking at me, raising your eyebrows when you say spring chicken? There's no need for that. I know I'm old. I'm older than all you. Don't keep going on about it, even with the food. Immediately, you're not, you're not that old. You change. spring to mind when I think of spring chicken. Mm. So, on the first episode of Set Piece Menus, look at youth football academies and how, if you had a child with footballing talent, you might go about starting them on what you hope will be a successful career. Now, it's out of the parents' hands, though, and the club is taking the dominant role. How should they help a player make that transition from youth team prodigy to first team professional? Do they keep them in the system or let them learn how others do it through a loan spell? I'll uh, start this just by jumping off on a recent conversation with an academy director who essentially said that what they do is treat every case individually and on its merits. It's not necessarily a blanket process or policy when it comes to players. When they're at the point where they have gone through the academy, they have had a successful time, the club have not released them, they are continuing their development, but they're not quite at the first team level. Do they keep them in the youth system, play Premier League 2 matches? Do they keep them at the club to try and if it's, for example, a club like Manchester City you want to teach them a certain way of playing, keep them in the system and hopefully develop them further? Or do they get to the point where they don't feel like they're learning as much doing that and they need to go out and play lower league football or even go abroad? Um, <gasps> who would have thought dun, it? Dun, dun. And learn a little An bit more English, about how to play. Young English footballers or going abroad. Some some of the academies aren't English, so uh, it may well be back, is, to, their, um, back to their own stuff. clubs. Mm. Or although, although we have seen in the last year or so, maybe a bit longer too, uh, half a dozen, few more going to German clubs. Mm. Uh, just the German clubs have yeah. worked out. This is the Bundesliga like well, players, don't so, they? Uh, well, we've talked about this, by the way, before on yeah. a previous podcast about stockpiling of young players. Does that make we it any less relevant right now? Uh, we can we can reference it, but let's not uh, haul it over the coals so the, completely. The, this subject is one that has been gnawing at English football for some time. Uh, Roberto Martinez, now manager of Belgium, used to your, refer to your good it. friend Roberto. Martinez. He was my friend for a while, right. and then and we then fell yes, out. Unfortunately, it was very upsetting. Um, I still feel really guilty. I really like Roberto, but I think he what hates me. He'll be back. You'll be back together. Uh, just before he left Everton, when I was at the Times, uh, I wrote a piece about why it had gone wrong for him at Everton and the fact that it seemed to be the case that he was perhaps not uh, making a particularly good job of it at that point. And did I, you use the phrase tactically inept? I didn't, no. Oh, I, right. I thought I was quite fair about talking about how he basically hadn't been able to think his way out of the problem. Everton, that His Everton team had been worked out and mm. he hadn't solved it. Oh, clueless buffoon. No. No, he didn't use no. that. No. The headline no. was... No. It's, it's the last refuge of the, of the damned to blame the headline. The headline was a little bit harsher than the piece was, uh, but Roberto uh, sent me a text suggesting that perhaps I had been less than loyal to him uh, oh, in writing that piece, and we have not spoken since. He's probably forgotten, to be fair, uh, and I hope Belgium do really well at the World Cup. He is a lovely man, Roberto. He Martinez. is, he is a nice man. Uh, but the piece, I mean, sadly, was right, that he was sacked not long after. <laughs> 
anyway, uh, we should also say that you don't necessarily pick or never pick the headline, do you? So not if he was well, annoyed not, at the headline, not at the time. What no, was the headline? I can't remember. It, you the, can remember. The headline was I can't. Not word for word. The headline was very harsh. The piece was harsh, but not very harsh. Like Martinez should be sacked immediately. <laughs> says That's Rory Smith. Written says, by Rory Smith. Smith. No. Si- signed and dated. So how oh. come you don't have control over? You write a piece. Yeah. You're not in control of how they sensationalise that. Uh, do you not get upset about that? That can't most be right, newspapers, can it? no, you're not. Uh, oh. we, at the MIT, we now have a system that I don't know how to use where I have to write my own headlines, but I'm determined. Well, I'm trying to learn how to use it, but they won't let me in for some reason anyway. Are you happy to do that, though, writing your own headlines? Uh, n- well, no, headline writing's a skill, and I don't necessarily have it. Um, well, clearly so not in the case of the Roberto Martinez affair. The We're getting off the topic a little yes, bit here, are we? This, this is, is tangential. We, we, we were worried about in itself. hauling uh, an old podcast over the coals. Now what we've done is something that we also do a lot on Set Piece Menu, which is go off on a wild tangent. Yeah, but we are, we are good when we go off. But the reason no, that you mentioned yeah. Roberto Martinez was... I've no idea. <laughs> no, that's right. Roberto Martinez refers to it as the 18-22 to 22 gap. And it is the big problem that English football has that is particularly pressing now after what we are all contractually obliged to call this glorious summer. There has been football. a glorious summer so, into early autumn. So we have had the under-17 World Cup winners, the under-20 World Cup winners. Interesting to note that English football, for as long as I can remember, has taken no interest whatsoever in international youth tournaments. They're not on TV or anything. But now that we're good at them, we suddenly yes. think they're very important. Yeah, very that, important. That in itself is a really important thing about English youth football, that we don't pay attention to these tournaments until this year, mm. which is ridiculous. And will they, it'll be interesting, will they, yeah. prior to England getting to the semi-finals onwards, which is when the BBC picked it up, Yeah. Um, or did they do the quarterfinals? They might have done the quarterfinals as well, but essentially until the knockout stages. The, the only the only story that came out of the under-17s World Cup was the fact that Jaden Sancho had gone back, had gone yeah. back to Borussia Dortmund. Well, they had allowed him to go and then he had gone back after the group stage and so that was the only interesting thing it was a cursory kind of mention then suddenly it's the you know the most important story ever and it has so much significance but the next time which is that i think they do it every two, two years, years yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see if they they follow it well, from the very you, beginning eurosport by the way if you yes, see these things on a more did, regular did. a lot of guys i work with work at eurosport and do a fantastic job of covering well, the uh, eurosport always always cover too long which is which does which not also make, England won which time. England yeah and then I think there were semi-finals in the under-19s they won the under-19s Euros and the team that won the World Cup the under-17s lost the Euros final Euros, to yeah. Spain who they beat in the final, final and they, the 21s got the semis. semis no no they were the losing finalists beating finalists certainly in the, in the Euros yeah. yeah so anyway it's been a great summer for English youth football but the problem so, that, so what you have is, is clearly and it, if you think about international football What's, what's important is not getting one age group that's good. You need four or five. Does that, you know, by the time the 17s are 23, 24, at the start of their peak, the team who are now the 21s will be 27, 28, towards the end of their peak-ish. That will then form the core of a of a, of a senior national side that is all in that sort of sweet spot between 22 and 29, that around 2024, 20, those are the two tournaments that we will be able to gauge how well this group of yeah. players have done. And how successfully they have negotiated yeah. the gap. The problem is, as in Roberto Martinez's phrase, the 18-22 to 22 gap is at the end of the academies. We know English, player, English teams produce players. I actually think that this idea that we haven't produced players for years is wrong. If you look at pretty much every England team in our lifetimes, they've had plenty of really talented players. There's never been a shortage of talented players. Uh, there, there have been talented players who haven't been picked, and Carlton Palmer's been picked ahead of them. But there have always <laughs> been there have always been talented players. You know, I mean, we we grew up with Peter Beardsley playing for England, John Barnes. You know, there was no shortage of talent in those teams. The, the golden generation teams were good players. They maybe weren't as good as we thought they were. 
England has always produced players. It's now producing players in greater numbers and greater consistency. The problem is that they get to 18, the end of the academy, where they've had this wonderful technical education and they've played academy football, which isn't the same as senior football. And there is this wilderness period until they are 22 when they basically re-emerge as championship players because they haven't had the opportunity that you need at 18, 19 to play first-team football. So the big question as to whether this summer means anything at all can only be answered by will these players, and the 17s are maybe a bit young at the moment to be demanding a chance, will these players get a chance over the next three or four years if they do, England should go into the Euros in 2024, which will be in Turkey or Germany, uh, with, a, with a good chance of winning it, and the 2026 World Cup, which will be in the United States, and be far too long, uh, <laughs> with a, a decent chance of competing for the sort of final four spots. Obviously, it depends on what the other countries do. If they don't, then the, this potential golden generation will have been wasted. But that's the big question. How do you get the players... From the, you're producing players in the academy. How do you get them into the first team? Two things before you come in, Chinch. The first thing is that the academies have produced these players. So we talked about academies and how it's difficult to make decisions and how do you, how do you get to the point where you negotiate the difficulty with parents, uh, influence, clubs, getting them very young and perhaps taking them away from both education and playing other sports and growing and developing as a human being. With all that put to one side, they have done their job. They have produced a group of players who are exceptionally talented and have also learned very quickly what some England teams in the past, for example, have never learned about how to play in that environment and how to uh, build any sort of team spirit and come from behind 2-0 down in a World Cup final and, and clearly display the kind of qualities that we're not necessarily used to seeing. So the academies have done the job. They have produced these players and now we've got to that point where they have to negotiate the gap. So mm, I, was just, I was just wondering what's... These obviously, these young England players have done brilliantly to win the World Cup, but how many of them are going to be good enough to play? Because all at big clubs, I presume. Most of them. Yeah. Most of them. So are they good enough, even though they're doing the job for England that age, are they good enough to play first team football with the clubs that they're at? Probably not. Well, but how do you know? Because they need to be playing meaningful football. Yeah. Football that mean. Of course, I don't say it doesn't mean anything if you're not playing in your first team. But you need to learn how to be a professional and what being a first-team player is all about. But if these players aren't quite yet good enough or physically strong enough to play for their first teams because the clubs have so, so many how choices... how get them to that point? What, what they have to, to me, they have to be playing somewhere, but playing somewhere meaningful. It's well, so they, just playing club matches and saying, well... Because it doesn't really matter if you win or lose because it's not costing you major points in, in terms of first-team football. But for these players, yes, we want England to be a successful team seven or eight years down the line. But for these players, we want them to develop so how do we what do we do with them surely at that age I always I was always playing and I was lucky enough to play in a first team because the situation was different but I, even though I wasn't coached an awful lot I learned so much from playing meaningful football competitive football where points were at stake and you learned the certain things you could and couldn't do it wasn't all about the technical ability and the things that you learned up to that point being a regular first team player mindset is of course an all, a big part of that so what should we do with these is it just send them out on loan get them out playing in the championship leagues one and two that they will learn far more from doing that than actually staying at the clubs and training with with first team and, players and that's why the academy director that i spoke to said that it's a case-by-case -case basis yeah some need that some don't well so you look at harry wintz who has been brought through at tottenham expertly by, by maurizio pochettino basically by 
keeping him in the system, playing him for, at the start, two or three minutes at the end of games. That mm. was what Harry Winch was getting. And you always looked at it and thought, this is pointless, he's not going to learn anything. But then after a while, it was 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and then he was starting, and then he played in the Bernabeu. And it's involvement with the first team, yeah. even if you're only coming on for the final couple yeah. of minutes. That, that must be a big part of a footballer's mm. development at that age, is the exposure to that Premier League match day experience to get you used to that environment because it could scarcely be anything more different can there than playing what is now an under 23s but under 21s under 23s game in front of a handful of people at the training ground to suddenly playing in front yeah, of yeah. 60,000 people in a Premier League was the I think what Pochettino did really 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 well was the situational experience so he he would put Wince on when they were chasing a lead Chase, so he would put Wince on when they were chasing a game. He put Wince on when they were defending a lead. He put Wince on when they were one, one all, two all. He taught him how to do a job. How to do points. a job at yeah. different points, in yeah. different situations, yeah. in different positions. He he used. He had the courage of his convictions to put him on and and educate him, which very few managers can do or have the. It's not always their fault. Have the have the ability to do. You basically have two choices. You can, and Hugh says it's it's all individuals. And that's right. I think that's how most clubs see it. Chelsea maybe are a bit more keen on you go out on loan. That's what happens. Um, you can either keep them at the club. They train with the first team and they play in Premier League 2, as they call it, which is the under-23s, which has been redesigned, rejigged, to make sure that it, it's on TV a bit, to make sure that sometimes it's played in in, the main, in main stadium. Yes, yeah. they're contractually obliged to yeah. play, I think, three times like that, in the yeah. season. A bit, the whole, a bit like the latter stages of the FA Youth Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think if you get to the quarterfinal stage, you have to play in your designated home stadium to try and sort of help players develop. And the idea well. there is you're teaching them what, what it's like to be in front of a big crowd, to be in, on, on television, to have all that extra pressure that's kind of not directly related to the, the game itself. Um, I went to see Liverpool under-23s play Spurs under-23s uh, a few weeks ago, Brewster strawed once or twice. And you could you could tell even there that Rian Brewster was a good player. There's three at Liverpool who are excellent. There's Rian Brewster finished top scorer in, in the under 17 World, World Cup. Cup. So you've got Rian Brewster, you had Harry Wilson, who's a, a Welsh player, and Ben Woodburn, who's been in in and in and around the first team. Marcus Edwards plays for Spurs, who has is their great white hope, and was anonymous really, to be honest. Clearly, very talented kid, but didn't impose himself on the game whatsoever. Interestingly, the best player on the pitch in terms of their um, game management and their intelligent use of the ball was Lazar Markovic who is very much not an under 23 <laughs> because the under 23s are allowed to have, have certain, uh, overage yeah, yeah. players yeah, yeah. in yeah. there who is to, a, to, to, that's why it's replaced reserve football so yeah. if you're getting fit for example Tw- uh, 20, 23 24 but 20 million pound Serbian international Markovic was clearly Woodburn's obviously more talented say but Markovic just that experience that he's got you yeah. could tell that he knew what he was doing um, that's one option you leave them in the club the problem with Premier League 2, as, we saw, as I saw at that game, is it is not a reasonable simulacrum of, of yes, Premier League football. Yes, it, is, yes. it is a totally different game. The intensity is different. The, 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 for, the forgiveness, you can make mistakes and, and they don't get punished. And everyone makes lots of mistakes. And, and it's not really, no one's sort of yet howling at you because you've made a mistake. The alternative to that is to send them out on loan. And the advantage of sending them out on loan, as people who've been on loan will say, is that as Chink says, it's football that means something. The players who aren't at loan, who aren't there on loan, their wages depend on it, their bonus depends on it, their, their careers depend on it. It matters. It matters to the people in the crowd. It matters to the town itself. If you're on, a, on loan at Chesterfield, you've got 10,000 at whatever's replaced Saltergate, you know, who want to win. But the drawback is double. One is that they might pick up bad habits from if they're playing 
if, if you're Man City, you don't want your, your Phil Foden, who's the star. A lot of, of clubs England. are very careful about which yeah. clubs they send yeah. them. They want to make sure the type of football Probably, they play yeah. corresponds to the exactly. type they play. Yeah. And the other is that, and this is a bit less tangible, uh, and I'll stop talking now, is that they are players who do well in lead one, lead two, in the championship to an extent seem to be earmarked as, oh, he's a championship player. And the clubs at that point lose interest. Ryan Kent at Liverpool is, is quite a good example. Who has who was one of Barnsley's best players players in the Championship last year? Now, logically, especially does Liverpool have got more commitments this year than they did last year in terms of um, number of fixtures? Logically, Ryan Kent should have been told, right? You did really well in the Championship. You can clearly cope with that level. You're going to get a chance in the Premier League. We will play you a certain number of times in the Premier League or the FA Cup or the League Cup to see if you can be part of this team. That makes sense. Ryan Kent instead said, look, that's not enough. I want to play more football. So has gone on loan to Freiburg. I think Klopp tried to persuade him to stay at Liverpool. But the, the, the system should work that if you go to a championship club and do well, you should get to come back and say, right, look, I've, done, I've proved I can handle that. You've got to keep on challenging me. The next step is the Premier League. There is only one step. Too few clubs are willing to, to take that leap. And they, they seem to decide the players have found their level at the championship it's what you said about Pochettino and Harry Winks that must be very rare for a, a Premier League manager to to know what he's doing because obviously he wants to get results his job depends on getting results and developing the team to do that with a young player is absolutely brilliant for Harry Winks of course but that must be pretty rare for say Jurgen Klopp or Mourinho to know what he's doing with this young player and care enough about him and say this is best for his development whilst trying to win games as well so do you think Premier League coaches are more likely to send players out on loan rather than do that with them like Phil Foden at Man City doing really well at the World Cup would Guardiola do a similar thing with him start to introduce him on the bench start to introduce him five minutes ten minutes would he do that or say you know what I think you need to go out into the championship and play more regularly play for longer let's, a lesser team let's talk about Phil Foden because Harry Winks is 21 mm-hmm. so Harry Winks is coming towards the end of the gap and yes Pochettino has invest- invested all this time in him probably because he's extra special so that he knew that it might be worth it or he thought that he might become extra special if he did invest that time. Phil Foden is 17, so he's about to get to that gap Mm -hmm. um, that's ahead of him. He is player of the tournament in the World Cup, a World Cup at which Jadon Sancho played just the group stages because he's a Borussia Dortmund because he didn't feel like he was getting enough chances at Manchester City. So basically at the age of 16 completely turned his back on the club that had invested all that time and money in him but clearly he didn't think that he was getting just rewards just rewards uh, for that so he goes to Borussia Dortmund it will be fascinating to see how those two both English players uh, differ in terms of their experience and what happens from the age of 16 17 to the age of 22 the other side of the gap Borussia Dortmund are a big club but have slightly different views on how they bring their youngsters through. They bring them through earlier, mainly because they tend to lose their stars to Bayern Munich and, yep. and, and others once they get to the point that they are world beaters, as many think that Jaden Sancho will eventually be. Phil Foden uh, performs like that on the, in the World Cup final, scores two goals in the press conference after West Bromwich Albion City had won 3-2 10 days ago or so. Uh, Pep Guardiola was told about it. I was there. I was there. You were there. I heard him. By by our colleague Simon Stone of BBC Sport. And and he said, where was he playing? I'll play him there. And also he said that it was much more important, even though they had a... 
um, a Carabao Cup match, which he might have featured in. It was much more important for him to go away, get the experience, play more, play more games rather than get the one first team game. So that's how Pep Guardiola is thinking about Phil Foden. He's been part of the first team squad when he's been available and for Premier League matches as well. So he obviously thinks he's very, very good. Does he think he's good enough to continue to have him in the first team squad for the rest of the season? Mm. Probably yes. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get on. But will he get on in those incremental periods like Harry Winks, but at the age of 17, which will then benefit him in the future? I'm conscious Steve hasn't said anything yet. So I feel bad, but I no. I'm I'm enjoying the listen. I hope everybody else is as well. Well, it, having, <laughs> he says that with a massive tiredness. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> started to do his It's worrying me. Having listened to the clip shows whilst I was on paternity leave, uh, I did notice I do a lot of talking, and people rightly have started to object to it. So, so all I say, they, they they really they really haven't. Rory. So they all, really haven't. All one or two. Woe is me, slightly, Goodness me. Slightly contentious. <laughs> all I will say is that Foden has been spoken of since he was about twelve as the best age group player in the country. Yeah. So if 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 Man City can't bring Phil Foden through, who is as good a player as they will get in their youth system, without a shadow of a doubt, he signed a contract with either Nike or Adidas when he was 12. They know he's good. It is widely accepted that Foden is as good as it gets in terms of youth talent you're going to find. He's from Stockport. He's the Stockport Iniesta. <laughs> if City can't bring Phil Foden through, at the risk of sounding like a tabloid journalist, they may as well stop putting money into their youth system. Yeah. Because if you can't... You've got somebody to blame at that point. If you can't bring him through, then what you are doing is pointless. There is no reason to have an academy if you can't get Foden through. So is is that Guardiola's responsibility? Ah. He's chasing Premier League titles, Champions League, but has he got that responsibility like Pochettino and Winks to say, it's my job to, yes, to try and win all these trophies, but also, if this is as good a player as I'm ever going to get from my academy, I've then got to do what's right for him. To, to, to actually develop him in the so, right so way. The, 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 as Hugh said, each player is, is individual. It's treated, most clubs will treat each player on an individual, individual basis. So with, with, with Wince and Spurs, Pochettino generally thinks that he, the, the players he likes don't go out on loan. He thinks the, the loan system is a graveyard for the mediocre. There's a couple of exceptions. He's loosened that approach this year. Josh Onomer is at Aston Villa. Yes. And Cameron Katowicz is, is at Sheffield United. United. And and Harry Kane is thought to have benefited a good deal, well, even though that was pre-Pochettino. It is, but it's that's th- there is a huge amount of revisionism to the Harry Kane story. Because Spurs, have I just fallen for it? You have. Spurs, you <laughs> Spurs did not loan Harry Kane out because they had any idea what they were doing. They just loaned him out and loaned him out. Yes, I, say, I'm, I, I didn't say that, that was there necessarily was no plan. the plan. I'm saying that retrospectively you can apply that there being some benefit to him he going might, out He might own. be even better if he'd not been loaned out. Oh, well, that's true, but only because he says it himself. So. But then that's how we all justify our existences. Uh, the <laughs> well, in that case, we might as well all go home. It's Terry Pratchett's <laughs> trousers of time. Anyway... <laughs> The thing with so Chinch is despairing. <laughs> tangent, massive, big, capital letter tangent. Can no, get you, back, get on with it. You don't have any experience what? of what, the, what your alternative past was. So how do you know? But you can apply. Better? You can apply that argument to absolutely everything. Oh, please. Everywhere. Well, let's, 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 come on now. Let's, let's come on try now. And at least. I'm going to have to separate you if this carries on. So, you, so with Wins, Pochettino kept him in house and brought him through. But just as every player is is different and has to be handled differently, every club is different and every player in every position at every club is different. Okay. So you have John Joe Kenny at Everton, who's mm-hmm. getting game time because Seamus Coleman's injured. It's easier to bring players through at teams that are struggling, which is why, struggling is the wrong word, which is why Everton have got such a good record of bringing players through because they've never quite had that pressure 
to win titles. It's easier to bring a player through if you're seventh and you know the season's kind of petering out a little bit and you've got all those Europa League games that you don't really want to play your senior players in. You're going to go to your youth academy more. So the yeah. gap is smaller there. It's different at Manchester United, where they have to win every game while they're in crisis. It's different at Liverpool, where they exist permanently in a state of semi-crisis. Or at Arsenal, where it's pretty much the same. There is always, it's really hard. Arsenal could have a great central defender, 18-year-old central defender. Wenger throws him in, he makes a mistake. You've got a real problem. Or you get Arsenal loads of injuries. Rob Holden gets a game and suddenly Rob Holden is a Premier League central defender despite having had one season at Bolton. So every club and every player and every situation is, is different. The strength that Pochettino had is that he is at a club that does not want to pay huge amounts of money for players. So it's the first alternative is always to look in the youth system. He himself is pro-youth. He wants to play young players in a way that Antonio, Antonio Conte, for example, doesn't, just doesn't want to do it. Not interested. Carlo Ancelotti, not interested in young players. That's why Bayern sacked him. Doesn't care about bringing young players through. Doesn't see it as his job. Pochettino's secure in his position. He knows that even if he loses a couple of games, he's not going to get sacked. Uh, he's getting supported from the board. It's all it's all kind of there for him to bring Winch through in a way that it isn't for for most of the managers. In Foden's case at City, Guardiola probably has the 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 inclination to bring young players through. He's done it before. He obviously likes Phil Foden. I would guess it appeals to Guardiola's ego to bring a player like that through. But the problem is he's got so many players ahead of him. Yeah. So if you're if you're giving Phil Foden a game, you're not playing not playing Bernardo Silva. So how on earth do you justify that? But you do it in a way that you suggested that Pochettino did with Harry Winks. You choose those moments to try and introduce him to the team in a way that helps him mm. incrementally over a period of time. He's 17. He's got time to do it. But the situation that Pochettino Steve's doesn't back. have... Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, the situation Pochettino <laughs> doesn't you have... You know when you just popped home? Did, did you bring the milk? <laughs> well, yeah, Katie needed a couple of things picking up. <laughs> I so think. I thought, well, what's you... He's watched were, Lord uh, of the Rings while he's been away. <laughs> it's very, very efficient. <laughs> Is that Pochettino's not got a £40 million footballer or two looking to get in the team mm. ahead of Harry Winks. Pep Guardiola and similar, I, I guess, at Chelsea. The, the, the larger a club's resources, the bigger their academy, but the easier it is for them to sign a quick fix rather than look to develop a player. Bring, bring some, so City, maybe you've got someone like Phil Foden who has emerged you know, from within this vast academy system that Manchester City have got. But who is Pep Guardiola telling they're not playing so that that 17-year-old gets an opportunity? Even as, even as a substitute. So, yeah, so who's, who's not yeah, getting yeah. in the match day squad? So you're going to tell Bernardo Silva you're not getting 15, yeah. 20 minutes because I want to give Phil Foden five at the end of the game. That's, it, it, Guardiola might have the... He might, he might do it. He might have the nerve to do it. But it's a, it's a much bigger call than Pochettino saying, well, look, Victor Wanyama's injured and Moussa Dembele, Dembele's injured. So our fifth choice central midfielder, who is Harry Wings, is on the bench. Guardiola's not in that. There's a lot of players have to get injured before Guardiola has to make that call. He's, he's still put him on the bench a couple of times. Oh, he's got to be strong. He's, he's got Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling, Phil Foden. It'll come to a point when he'll say, look, if you're leaving me in charge and I'm the coach... I want to pick Phil Foden. It's tough. That's the way. Those other players have to be better than him. But what, what, what we don't have anymore. So you don't just do it for the sake of development. Say, well, I have to put him on the yeah. bench for his development. Well, I put him on the bench because he deserves to well, be yes, there. Yes, because he's, he's genuinely yeah. good enough yeah, yeah, and can yeah, affect the yeah, team yeah, in a positive yeah, way. Yeah. Lionel Messi was 17 when he came through. Isn't it? You're not telling me that Lionel Messi needed to have, you know, a, a period away, you know, spending time on loan with Granada or, or, or something like or, that. Or ITV. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, that's, what you said. that's the same thing. Oh, is it? Um, but you know, he he was so good that he broke through because there was no way that you could stop a player like that breaking through because he's that good. 
at some point, I'm not saying that, that Phil Foden's that good, but at some point you have to say, well, it doesn't matter how old he is. He's doing enough either in training or in the opportunities you've got to see him and say, well, he's better. But what you used to have was manag- managers were incentivized to bring players through because they could think in two years' time, he's going to be my, my first choice central midfielder. So I need to bring him through now so that in two years' time I've got this amazing central midfielder. That doesn't exist for most managers now. Pochettino is, is probably the only one who would look at it like that. Klopp, maybe, who's got a six-year contract. But, I mean, you wouldn't say that Klopp's as secure in his post as Pochettino is. The vast majority of managers, including Guardiola, will either be thinking, I need to win because if I don't win, I'll get sacked eventually and pretty quickly. Or they're thinking, and this is definitely true of Pep, I'm not here in three years. I don't care. I'm not saying that's what Pep thinks, but he could think that. He yes. could look at that and think... It would be a way out, this is, a way this of helping is, him make the decision. This is nothing to do with me. You just try to apply logic and a clarity of thinking, Hugh, to a situation that managers don't have to do. They are working on a game-by-game basis. Who are the 18 players that I can select who are most likely to win me that game of football? Because I am going to be judged, you know, especially if you, you know, Manchester City, after the way they started... Last season, everyone assumed they were going to canter to the league title. They've opened up a year later, a substantial lead in the Premier League title again. But everybody's waiting for that moment where suddenly Manchester City are going to implode again and the title race is going to become interesting. They can't afford, even with a five-point lead at the top of the Premier League, to gamble. They've invested way too much money, hundreds of millions of pounds, signing the best talent available from all over the world. And even when they already had the most richly assembled squad in the Premier League, they still went out and spent another 200 million just to fill in a couple of gaps of weakness. So it must be really difficult being an academy player at a place like that because you get that initial buzz of of joining Manchester City and feeling as though you're part of a progressive club going forward. But you know, as Jaden Sancho demonstrated, there, there must be a point where you get to 16 or 17 and you realise, great as this has been, look at all these wonderful footballers ahead of me in the pecking order. I believe I have the talent to be as good as them, maybe even better. But at what point are they going to make a decision to use me rather than the guy they signed for 15 million? I, I think the suggestion say, is, by the way, that Jaden Sancho didn't think that. He just... Okay, it was, it, it, was, it was an example of a player but yes, who made I, I know a decision to, to look elsewhere. The, the, the suggestion is Jaden Sancho just got in a tiz because he wasn't involved enough in pre-season, so just thought, right, fine. There's, there's also, I wonder whether we are slightly hamstrung by the, the football structure in this country. And, you know, we're all, you know, many people are proud of the, the 92, you know, these each individual entities that, you know, are part of the Football League. But you look at other countries, you know, major footballing nations in Europe where really once you get down to the third or fourth tier of their their domestic structure, many of the teams playing at that level are the second strings of the the major footballing powers in that country. So if you go and play, you know, you play 50 games for an under-23s Premier League team, what level is that? You're just playing against other Mm. under-23s. You play 50 games for Borussia Dortmund's equivalent effectively their reserve team well you're probably playing in the third tier of German football more often than not that matters it matters on a week by week basis to the teams you're you're playing against so that development is equivalent to a Premier League side sending a player on loan to a League One club which they simply won't do 
all that often because they don't believe the standard is going to benefit them in the long term. Whereas they're actually getting that organically if they're playing in Germany, uh, France, Italy, Spain, where, where they don't have 92 individual clubs each fighting for their, their small slice of the pie. What, what the German and the Spanish clubs do with the, with the B teams is, is essentially what the, the English teams try to do with the loan system is expose the players to, to competitive, mm. meaningful football. The problem with that, I guess, is that if you look at some of the places I've been to get games in the German third division and or at German third division stadiums, they're not playing on great pitches. They're not, you know, the training facilities aren't fantastic. The, the, looking at it now, the way that the clubs and it's competitive gone, football. That oh no, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But I'm, I'm thinking uh, as Manchester City, you're not going to think, well, you know, we want our B team, our elite development squad, to be playing on some cow pasture in. You know Northumberland. You're going to want you, what they. Well, they need they, they need to work on their academy pitch then. If it's like a. Well, <laughs> we, we mentioned before that. No, I mean, it, I mean, if, I know, if I the know, EDS know, were playing, yeah, yeah, playing, yeah, in, playing in the yeah. conference, they're not going to say right. You can up to Files and play on their on their their you know their bumpy rickety pitch. Their quagmire. Their quagmire. But the we mentioned before about the strolling in the first episode of this this series that that clubs have had to recreate a lot of stuff that once occurred naturally. That same principle applies to a lot of the facilities that they've got. So you've got several clubs, including City, who now have a street football environment at the academy because they recognise that the players were missing out on something they used to learn on the streets. I know of one club who were... In fact, it was Brighton. I'd probably name them. Brighton had the the assessors in for their youth academy uh, and their training facility and their pitches, uh, and they got 96 out of 100 and they were re- Brighton were really annoyed about not getting 100 out of 100. Anyone who's been to Brighton, their facilities are fantastic. The training round is amazing. And they said, they said to them, why have we only got 96 out of 100? And the assessor said, it's because your pitches are too good. You need to have one pitch that's not great because it teaches players how to control a ball on a pitch yeah, yeah. that's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Which is astonishing. But isn't the extension of that argument exactly what you're saying shouldn't yeah. happen? No, I, so I think the clubs have got this, this obsession with perfection that is unhelpful to players. So what you what you what you should be looking at almost is that players should go out, go out to clubs where they're having to change in places where they still turn the heating up to to 100 degrees, so it's really uncomfortable. So that where the pitch isn't great, but that's not how the clubs think. That's just my personal belief. I do have a controversial idea to get around the the B team loan system. Feeder club, Vitesse Arnhem, Girona debate, but no one seems to agree with me about it. I don't know what you. I'm that's that's the same Girona that beat Real Madrid, by exactly. the way. So it's clearly working. For I some am willing, people. if none of you promise to steal it, to to share it with you. But again, I may have been talking for too long. So Is it know. just the three of us who have to promise not to steal? That's a good this, tease. This, so yes, no, just, no, it's just this thing about the interesting to Steve saying about the the dispensability of the modern coach and how they're so desperate to get results because it is all about them staying in a job. That You think if a young player puts himself in a position clearly maybe talented enough to get into a Premier League squad, that coaches are so worried about one or two games costing them their job, they're not thinking, apart from maybe Pochettino, I've got to do what's right for the young player and his development. I've got to do what's right for me to stay in the job that I'm in. I think 20 years ago, managers weren't under coaches, weren't under that type of pressure. They could put people in the team. As you're saying, John Joe Kenny, Everton, Everton aren't under that type of pressure. Mm. That if they lose a the game or he makes a mistake, it's not the end of the world. The manager's probably not going to get sacked. But it's all changed. So certainly with the big clubs and all these good players are at the big clubs. Their coaches are under a lot more pressure. And two or three games could cost them a young player coming in 
could prove hugely costly, even though it might well be beneficial to their development. So you're saying that there could be a best of both worlds where they prioritise both equally. Steve, yeah. you're saying there might be a best of both worlds where you play lower division football but stay within the structure of the club, yeah, yeah. so you're not necessarily um, undermining your footballing principles. Is it, are, these, are these anything like Rory's idea, I wonder, after Steve comes in with one more thing? I like teasing people. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just sort of, you know, wouldn't it be nice? Unfortunately, this is the kind of idealistic thing that simply wouldn't happen. Uh, because wouldn't it be nice though if there was some kind of agreement, even if it was a gentleman's agreement in place, that a Premier League club had to have a certain number of academy developed, their academy developed players in every Premier League match day squad, whether that was one or two, so that the there was a pathway for academy players to the first team. You know that there was always going to be at least two spots available. So they're taking out yeah, the coaches' hands, for a, yeah, yes. for academy, yeah. and that those clubs would have to think twice about signing players for a lot of money on big contracts because they would only ever be able to satisfy sixteen on a week by week basis, and therefore, you, yeah, you, you, you're you're taking the decision out of Pep Guardiola's hands effectively in terms of should I choose. Bernardo Silva or Phil Foden yeah. to be on the bench today because actually the decision is made for him. He has to select somebody like Phil Foden to be in that situation because that is the agreement in place. That's the kind of logic and clear-headed thinking that you criticised me for earlier. Exactly. So I'm going to reject that idea. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing but hypocritical. <laughs> the, 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 the key thing there is that Guardiola, that might make Guardiola think, do I need to sign Bernardo yes, Silva? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I don't yeah, want to block yeah, yeah. Foden's pathway. The, the one thing we should touch on before I... This, this, Are you teasing your own idea now? No, do you know what? I find this, I'm, I'm conscious that I might be being really boring. I find this subject really interesting and having not really thought about football for quite a long time, because I've, I've been thinking about how to turn my son other, into other youth-related other issues. Youth issues, it's it is something that I, I can drone on about endlessly and I find, I, th- I think it's really important. And do you know what? As someone who doesn't even support England, I, I te- or, or particularly the Premier League, I, I much prefer foreign football. I, I'm not a kind of Prem-face fanboy type thing. But... It makes me really angry because there's so many kind of there's so many issues to, at play, and I think it's really interesting. So, this, with that said, so first this, of all, so nobody th- thinks you're droning on, and secondly, we do need to bring this program right. to an end. So, as, as a large <laughs> and slightly overly teased finale to our conversation, what's your big idea? Blow our minds. Before that, quickly. Oh, there's another thing. <laughs> one thing we haven't touched <laughs> on like is, so is, many the, ad breaks. is the stockpiling of players. So that's really yeah. important as well because if you didn't have, it's hard because players want to go to big clubs, agents want the players to sign for big clubs. Players, agents, families, everyone thinks, if you're 16, take the money, because that way you're, you're safeguarding your future. It makes total sense. If you didn't have 30, 40, 50 players at Chelsea and Man City, they could be at Bolton, at Blackburn, at wherever, at Wickham, yeah. and they could be playing. So that would really help if they weren't spread, allowed to... Spread the wealth. You simply the should talent. not be allowed to have 30 players out on loan. You, this, this, this sort of factory, academy factory system that we're seeing at, at the likes of City and Chelsea, where almost because they've come through that system, it's adding some, some worth, you know, making that player all the more credible and they are distributed around the globe on like It simply should not be allowed to happen because those players could be playing for other clubs. Episode 18 of Set Piece Menu talks about the stockpiling of young players. So with that said... And the other thing about Steve's quotas thing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Quotas I'm just enjoying being involved Are you doing now. it deliberately? No, or? no. I just I have a, you know, I, it really interests me. The, the th- we have a third episode. We don't need worry. a countdown clock on him. Come on! <laughs> the issue with quotas is always that it, it dilutes quality. That if, you're, if you force things through, you don't necessarily 
make the cream rise to the top because you're 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 fulfilling a, co a compulsion. My big idea is hooray! This. Where's the fanfare? Chinch, blow me a horn. Sorry, <laughs> never, never again. <laughs> the big idea is this, and it's it's halfway in between the B team and the loan system. We have too many professional clubs in this country. That is the the, yeah. the, the, the honest truth of it. There are too many. There's not there's not the way football is drawn can't support 92 plus however many in the conference are professional now. It would make more sense to me if you were, let's take Leicester, Leicester, nice, inoffensive Premier League club. Leicester City signed an agreement with Burton Albion, which is relatively local, as I understand it, under which Leicester would invest coaches and facilities in Burton. They would say, this is a five, ten-year agreement. We will give you a certain number of coaches every year. We will give you this amount of money from this huge pot of money we get from the Premier League for your facilities to make sure your training base is up to scratch. We will loan you five, six, seven of our best players from these age groups, under 23 downwards, for a minimum of two years. You will have access to these players. You can appoint, you've still got your own autonomy. You've still got, you, you can appoint and fire managers as you wish. And you can, you, do you have to pick the players? You don't have to pick the players. If they're good enough, they'll play. If not, you know, we, we're not gonna operate any kind of control of your transfer policy, but you will have, this facility to pick five, six, seven of our players if you want under this, the terms of th this agreement and you'd imagine that they would want because they'd be free, no loan fees, because they should be talented as their Premier League Academy kids. If you get to the Premier League, the agreement becomes null and void. You don't have to return the money, but yeah. we obviously aren't going to support you when you're a direct rival. You could even extend that to the Championship. So if you're in the Championship, you don't need our support. So we're, we're going to kind of pull the plug but if you're in League 1 League 2 I'd have said the championship as well for a team like Burton you get to be Burton Albion you get to have your own badge your own kit your own you know fans all that stuff but you get the benefits of all these players that we're not using you get the same with Southampton who's Southampton's I mean it wouldn't be Portsmouth but Southampton and Plymouth say also I don't know whoever's near Southampton it's a long way from anywhere um, <laughs> you get the same with the London clubs West Ham could do it with Charlton or Palace with Charlton or whatever or you could or Reading or whoever if you d didn't want to offend local sensibilities you know Manchester United could do it with Bolton and City with probably not Stockport a bit rubbish now but City with Old with Oldham Berry, Oldham Berry, Rochdale Oldham. yeah they're all around you get you take clubs are already doing this City have an agreement with Girona where they've sent four or five players out to Girona obviously there's the Chelsea link with Vitesse Arnhem they also part own the club though don't they so that whole Girona thing yeah. is really dodgy and we, that is a different subject um, the, which I'm not going to be distracted by you may as well are you teasing ahead to a different podcast accept <laughs> I'm just ignoring you now you may as well accept that clubs have now decided that the economy of scale is of benefit to them they, they want to have a lot of players and they increasingly want to have influence at a lot of clubs you might as well reflect that within the structure of the leads themselves. You say there are 92 teams, a lot of whom are always battling financial difficulties, a lot of whom are not, yeah. are not that dream of, you know, Rochdale to get to the Premier League. Yeah, maybe, but probably not, to, to be perfectly honest. And it's, as long as there's a, a sort of a bulwark against it in any contractual agreement, you say, look, we need to spread the wealth of the Premier League out to the, the rest of the leads, and we need to get these players out of these hothouses of talent that they are just staying in and, and, and being sweated dry effectively. So let's create a system whereby there's no B teams, but you have bonded clubs between Premier League giants and lesser lights of the game to benefit everybody. And I genuinely believe that is the solution to the problem, that you, you, you take the B team model, you switch it around 
to make it suitable for the English environment. And that's how you get young players playing competitive football while staying within the framework of their parent club. There was a massive coming together of many great minds to think about how best to proceed on this subject. And maybe they should have switched out Danny Mills for you because the FA came up with a uh, the B team idea that was within weeks completely kibosh. You can't dress it up as a B team just yeah. because the clubs are too autonomous, they're too independent, they're too proud and we need to protect that heritage even though we do have too and, many clubs. But that pride it may be it's the pro- reason yeah. why something that seems as logical as what you've just described wouldn't work because they'd be too busy. The Burton Albion that you have just you know, used as that example would be looking for the negatives mm-hmm. of that arrangement rather than embracing the positives and accepting that they, you know, potentially, you know, that you'd need teams in League One and League Two to accept that they weren't long, any, any longer able to stand on their own two feet and that they would need the support of bigger clubs and to, to share resources and that that would be beneficial for them. But I, I just, I, I think, I just think they wouldn't, they'd be too stubborn to do it. Probably, you're probably right. But I, I like, I like, I love the idea. That is, that, that is, it's occurred to me a long time Certain ago. Certain clubs might be stubborn and not want to do it, but like, but you'd think, well, what, well, what's not to like about that arrangement? But also, it's football. If, if, you one, if you don't, if yes, you don't, if you don't Man City, unanimous, if you yeah. got something totally geographically distant, so Man City partner with Bristol Rovers, and in the course of three years, Bristol Rovers get to the Championship and then get to use Man City players in the Championship, you'd have other clubs saying, we want to do this. Because yeah. what matters is success. And the thing is that loads of my mates are Leeds fans, and there was a point when Leeds were even worse than they are now, when they had six lone players, and they changed every three months, and it was impossible to track who was in the Leeds team. Mm. Yes. And it's yeah, a friend of mine's a Berry fan, and they, yeah. they, they find, they find yeah. the same thing. They, get, they turn up, and they signed another player on a month loan, and yeah, what's the, how do you identify with that player? You don't even know the person you're cheering So why not, why not just crystallise that and say, we're going to get these players for a year or two, and we know they're going to be here for a year or two, so the fans get to bond with them. Mm. That I, I think what's ripping the, the identity from clubs is that transience of the players, just coming in on loan for a bit, then leaving, yeah. another couple coming on loan. And, and Greater Manchester is a good example, you know, where you've got such two hugely dominant clubs like United and City. You know, really, if you are Berry, Oldham, Rochdale, you know, Stockport a few years ago before, unfortunately, they dropped out of the league, is it not just time to accept that, you know, the attraction of those clubs for, for young people, for potential supporters is just so great. Isn't it better to be part of that than rather than trying to keep yourselves self separate from it? You know, yeah. surviving on two and a half thousand people coming on a week by week basis is very but difficult. Those two and a half thousand people are, are very, very loyal of and, course very and, they, and they can continue and they to be so. To, don't want just to before we wrap ways. up, if any Premier League clubs are listening uh, and you steal that idea, I will be following you. Uh, quite on right. <laughs> I will be following you. Just let, let's, let's just be decent about it. If you do want to steal Legally. the idea, just come to me. Just yes. come to me. You Copyright can, it now. Give me some money and I'll go away. The Rory Smith Manifesto. Mm. Consider it copyrighted. You wait till, till, I, till I tell you my idea about the Ryder Cup of football. That's going to make me rich, that. Well, I can figure that out without you explaining it, really. But thank you very much indeed. Damn. <laughs> another, another great idea from Rory. Yes, it's been copyrighted by via being broadcasted so there you go it cannot be copied without Rory Smith's uh, express and financial gain Um, so uh, before we go oh by the way next week's uh, final part of our discussion about youth football will um, go a little bit later in life they might be through to the first team it might be 
at the club that they came through the academy. It also might be at a, at a different uh, club where they've kind of found their found their place, if you like. And we're going to talk about the fact whether they're willing to keep learning and whether they feel like because of the whole process that they've gone through, they still feel like that they need to improve or whether they feel like they've made it and they don't care anymore. Uh, which will give us all an opportunity to say the youth of today and then scoff and be angry about them all not caring about things. Yes, Chinj, you're right Especially to point yourself. Uh, the, re- the other reason that you're pointing at yourself is because just before we go, it's uh, once again time to delve into the past of when you were a little bit younger, about 10 years ago, when you used to write a column for the Manchester City um, I think it was for, it was for the program, wasn't it? I was it for the, the program? Was, or was the it the website? website? Yeah, the website. Anyway, so is you that popular? Write, uh, they put it on the website. Yes, I think yeah. it was for millions of people to ignore. Oh yeah, that was it needed, be, it needed to be available to more than just the match going. Oh yes, it was yes. that important. These words are absolutely fine. So once again, uh, I have about <laughs> I have about uh, thirty or forty here on my computer, and I've not read them. Uh, Chinch hasn't read them for about ten years. Rory and Steve have never seen them, so we'll once again pluck out a number from one to thirty, and we'll have Chinch go back and read. <laughs> What is essentially his version of a teenage diary? The Andy Hinchcliffe column sponsored by Pritstick. Go on. Eight. Eight. You know what? I was going to say eight. Eighth of March. I've got an eighth of March. Eighth of March, 2006. Oh, good times. Good the Ides of March. I bet Hinchcliffe was all. Oh, I was living in Dublin in the Wielding March, his 2006. journalistic knife. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, really at that time, these columns were in the aftermath of a Manchester City defeat. Pretty much so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Have a look at that screen and adopt the Andy Hinchcliffe of 2006 voice um, and wow us all with your incredible grammar, syntax and punctuation. Yeah, I'll just have to replace Eastlands with... So I call it, still call it Eastlands. Oh, yeah, no, word for word, know, what, what you wrote what back in 2006. Can you make the... Because te- my eyes, can you make the text a little bit bigger? Because... <laughs> I am you 48 could, going on four. I can't read that. What size could, is that? About read, nine or something. You read this size when you were 10 years younger. There you go. How yeah. about that? 24 Whoa. point. That's fantastic. Right. Have you zoomed that to 200%? What's this? Which game is this before? Oh, no, no. This it's is, oh, before Portsmouth after Sunderland. After Sunderland. Right. Okay. The sun's coming off the screen. Right. Okay. You ready? <laughs> Such a whinger. I, well, I can't see the text. A collective sigh of relief went round Eastlands at the final whistle against Sunderland. City made really hard work of a game they had wrapped up after 10 minutes. Georgios Samaras remember him? Oh finished God. both goals brilliantly, but I gave man of the match to Micah Richards, he who did 17 years... <laughs> Stop interrupting! You did, no, you did air quotes. I just wanted to say that you actually had put man of the match in... Air quotes, so thank you very much. Well, they're quotes. If they're, they're written down. Man, start. Since when was man of the match? No, it's not. It's, it's just Tinsley. It's in quotes. I know, but that's ridiculous. Carry on. He was 17. Look, do you want to read this or not? Come on. Right, I'm going to start again. A collective sigh of relief went round Eastlands at the final whistle against Sunderland. Oh, City made really hard work of a game. They had wrapped up after 10 minutes. George Samaras finished both goals brilliantly, but I gave man of the match to Micah Richards, who Edit. at 17 years old is proving <laughs> that the, the old saying... Wait a minute. So, oh, yeah. The old <laughs> saying, if you're good enough, you're old enough is true. What are you doing? Um, to do it, you couldn't work out how to scroll it, so I'm doing it. I was, I was sliding it down. There you go. The only downside of the Blues win was Mick McCarthy losing his job. Sacking him at this stage of the season is ridiculous. Knives out. At this stage, three points is all that matters to the Blues, and that objective... And that was the objective once again at Portsmouth, where Harry Redknapp resides once again. I'm using against too much, aren't I? <laughs> you know, Harry's one of my favourite Premiership bosses. I've changed my view. <laughs> one who obviously knows his stuff. I've changed my view. Because I nearly signed for him when he was in charge of West Ham. Is that true? Yes. 
Dave Unsworth was there. He tried to encourage me to go, and I said no. So hang on, your, your loyalty was to football managers who'd tried to sign you. <laughs> that's loyalty why there. you were willing that's to overlook love, everything else. That's why you love Christine Gross. After our four-hour drive down south, I'm presuming that's... Yes. Yes. One time we drove four hours down south to Portsmouth and turned back after three and a half because the game got called off. I was almost called off and went to your mum's and had pheasant casserole. That was yeah, tremendous. That was I got drunk and... Yeah, anyway. But... <laughs> the bl- after, after our four-hour drive down south, I'm hoping the Blues put on a decent away showing and pick up at least a point. But a narrow victory is my call. Portsmouth nil. City one will do just fine. Actual and the score was... <laughs> Portsmouth two, City one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What, what, see, the point is me reading this. We're just interrupting it and laughing at how bad it is. Now, is that's, that the point? That's how entertainment works, Chinch. Oh, but thank see. you very much indeed. Uh, yeah. Once again, we have delved into the annals of Chinch's... <laughs> uh, I believe we're calling it Chinch for the ages, aren't we? Chinch for the ages. Uh, many, many, many sentences strung together in a way that makes you think that he had a brain. And indeed, it is true. Uh, so thank you very much indeed, once again, for a Chinch for the ages. Um, please do subscribe, share, rate and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule including next week for part three of our look into youth football at set piece menu on twitter set piece menu at gmail.com is our email address thank you to andy rory and steve and to you for listening i've been able to read this even though it's only type 12 so some of us have an eyesight that is befitting of a gentleman 10 years younger what, what, than you. What size was mine? About 18? No, it's eventually was 24. 24? That's know. too big, isn't it? Go to the opticians. Yeah. Uh, thank you to you all for listening. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. Why have you not got glasses, by the way? Your, your eyesight's terrible. You know You're what? one of those people on your phone. You have your typeface, yeah, like one word per screen. Yeah, I, I went to the opticians and was tested and they said my eyesight was tremendous. But then, I, don't, I don't believe they said it was true. tremendous. They said tremendous was the tremendous it, is what they Donald said. Donald Trump's doctor say yeah. that he had tremendous health prior to yeah, the election. He did, yeah. yes. So, same guy. Have tremendous health. <laughs> same guy. <laughs> same guy. Same guy. Could well be Doctor Tremendous. It could well be him. Yes. Because their stuff's yes. tremendous. Yes. Yes. Do, do you think your your columns might uh, challenge Trump's assertion that he's got the best words? <laughs> the best um, words. He's got all the best words. Certainly giving him a run for his money. Mm. Uh, shall I write a column? Do you want me to write an, a column? for today because you've had chinch through the ages do you think you want me to write something on a game I watch not really by the no. way you're looking at me not that interested I don't know if my body Imagine language is telling you that that's a bad idea what I've learned over the years it's called a book, a memoir. You should ask, write a memoir. Ask Rory. You should write a memoir. I'll dose some, dose a, mem- a memoir yeah, for you. Yeah, some of my stories are terrible. No, but uh, we'd turn it into some. We'd turn it into sort of an intellectual treatise on football. Is it about? Fo- oh, it's about football. Like Carl over yeah. Nausgaard or something like that. Something kind of mm. something something melancholy and beautiful. Mm. Well, we did have an idea, Chinch and I, oh, uh, yes, we years did. years ago, that we would essentially write his memoirs, but it would just be a series of stories. But unfortunately, about 25% of it would get past the lawyers and the mm. rest would... It was actually the title of the book. Which was the, the title of the book wouldn't, wouldn't have got through. No, I don't think it Wouldn't have would. got through. Neville Maybe Southall. we could turn it into a... Like, chinches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you interrupted me there. Yeah, stop talking about like Neville Southall. I was going to find a beep from somewhere. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we could turn chinches sort of career you could you could base a novel on your career but maybe with a more interesting end oh, Gary, really?